Welcome to Biohacking with Brittany. Thank you for listening and for tuning in. This is a place where I talk about biohacking and wellness, microdosing, plant medicine, ancestral nutrition, detoxing, all types of things like that. So I actually have organized a group (laughs) called the Van City Biohackers. And so this is for biohackers who are in Vancouver or the lower mainland or really anywhere. I think there's a a few people in the group who are even in like Squamish. So if you're in the Vancouver area, you kind of know the areas that I'm talking about. And yeah, we had our first meetup on Sunday, which was really fun. We went out for brunch at this local restaurant that really focuses on farm to table food. And there were six of us and it was awesome. It was really cool to connect with other like-minded individuals. And it was interesting because we just had so much to talk about and so much to connect on in terms of like supplements and food and nutrition and different biohacks that we're into. And it's really exciting because it's finally after, I guess after COVID and the pandemic and, and just like biohacking not being as big of a thing, like now we're at a point where I can organize a meetup group and there'll be people who show up and we can do monthly dinners or events or stuff like that. So it's fun and it's awesome to actually build an in-person biohacking community, which is something that I've been thinking about for a while. So if you are in Vancouver area, or even if you're further out and you want to join this group, send me a message on Instagram and I'll send you the WhatsApp link. Right now, it's just a WhatsApp group. We just chat and organize different events but it'll probably morph into something more. I'll probably start a muddy network probably in the new year. And so we'll have a place where we can talk about in more detail on specific topics and events and things like that. So stay tuned for that if you are interested. And I encourage you, even if you're not in this area, because I know a lot of you are all over the world, I really encourage you to try and connect with local biohackers. There are biohackers everywhere now, which is really cool. And it's cool that we're at a point where this is the case. So even when I lived in New Zealand a couple of years ago, I found some people who were into it. And it can kind of be hard, I guess. Like, it, I guess it would be hard to find where your people are, but there definitely is a way. I would definitely search like Facebook groups or even like Eventbrite, or even if like you go to events that include different biohacking modalities. So, you know, like cold therapy, like ocean dips or cold water swims or breath work workshops or things like that. Those tend to be the places where biohackers kind of hang out and flock to, especially if there's events. And then if there are bigger things like the conferences, that would also be a fantastic way to meet people in person. I am planning on going to two conferences next year. So I think I'm going to go to the one in Orlando in June, which is the biohacking conference that Dave Asprey puts on. So I'm going to go to that one. And then I'm, I think, fingers crossed. I think I'm going to go to Amsterdam at the end of October next year, and I'm going to go to the Biohacker Summit. So I'd like to do both of those. And obviously I will probably do some extra things in those areas as well. So if you're in Orlando and Florida, or if you're in Amsterdam, (laughs) let me know and let me know what spots to hit up. I think 
with the Amsterdam one, my fiance and I, we are planning to do a bit of a, almost like Scandinavian tour. So we're going to do some country hopping. I'd like to go to Finland, Sweden, Switzerland. Like we'll kind of see what we can fit into one trip and very much do all of the like saunas, hot, cold therapy spas. It will be that type of trip, which would be amazing and a lot of fun. So I will obviously create a lot of content about that and talk more about it as I plan that trip out. Same with Orlando. I don't know what I'll tag onto that. I'll probably go to maybe Upgrade Labs. I know there's quite a lot of biohackers in Florida. So I'll see who's there and who wants to hang out and do something because I would love to do that as well. Thank you for listening to this episode. This one is with my friend Elizabeth Clark. This episode, it wasn't even like a podcast, to be honest. It was like, I just hit record and she was there. It was really fun. We talked a lot about her personal journey with getting pregnant, being pregnant, postpartum, having a baby, breastfeeding, all of those things. And it was fascinating because she is so healthy and is so into wellness And so I really wanted to pick her brain on specific things that she decided to do or didn't do during that entire journey. So as somebody who is just kind of starting my pregnancy prep journey in terms of getting my health more on board right now, doing a lot of detoxing and things that you can't really necessarily do when you're trying to conceive or when you're pregnant, I'm kind of in that zone right now. And so it was really fascinating talking to her and getting all of her insight. I love her. She's great. We've been friends on Instagram for a few years now, and she's very, very intuitive and very insightful. So enjoy this episode. Sit back, relax. It's really easy listening. And I hope you learned something from it because I definitely did. A shout out to my sponsors of this week. Sensate. I just posted about them yesterday on my Instagram account, which is at biohacking Brittany. I, we have this like outdoor fire pit now. And I actually used my sensate when I was out there the other night. So I was like lying on my outdoor couch or whatever patio set and used it at the fire. And it was like a blessing. It was so nice. This device really takes you out of fight or flight, puts you into like a calmer mode a very grounding mode. And it really helps with my stress management. I don't know how else to put it, but it it just really does. So I really encourage you to take a look at Sensate. I think the Black Friday deal is coming up this weekend. I wouldn't be surprised. If not, you can use my discount code biohackingbrittany. Go for it. And a shout out to Silver Biotics. I actually, oh, I'm, I'm nervous to say this, but I think the rashes on the my back of my legs are completely gone. I am like shook by this. If you've been listening, you've been hearing about my rashes for months and you're probably so tired of hearing about them, (laughs) but they kind of come and go, but they're usually always somewhat around. And I kid you not, like I'm literally touching the back of my legs right now and I don't feel them. I don't understand where they went. It might be a little bit on my one calf, but it's like completely gone. So I don't know what completely contributed to this, but I will say that I've been using my silver biotic gel for quite a while now. 
on the back of my legs. And I've also been using the silver biotic supplement. And so this supplement is colloidal silver, but it's nanoparticles. So they're smaller, so they don't collect in your body. And it really, really supports your immune system and it like kills all the bad guys. So it kind of makes sense that I just started taking this supplement again last week. And now my skin is so much better because I really do think it is fungal. And if it is fungal, then it makes sense that taking something that is antimicrobial would be so supportive in this way. And last but not least, also I have a discount code for Silver Biotics. It's Biohacking Brittany if you want it. And last but not least, I want to shout out Viome. I love Viome. I'm actually going to do my next test, I think next week. And I'm really excited because I've been really working on my health pretty intensely in the last couple months. So I'm excited to see what it says. But Viome is a gut health test and they look at your microbiome in your gut. And I guess they also look at other places too now. So they look at your oral microbiome. They look at your cellular health through your blood. And the data is really helpful. If you're dealing with like bloating, IBS, weird digestive symptoms, and you are like, okay, I'm not getting any results here. What is going on? This is the test that you need to do because it gives you so much information on your results and also on like the functionality of your gut. So it's not just like, oh, hey, take these probiotics or you have this virus or you have that virus. It's like, no, your protein fermentation is not doing well. You might have leaky gut. You might have cellular dysfunction in this way. Like it's just very in-depth and it's very helpful. So I suggest it to a lot of people who have very similar symptoms. So again, you can try them out. It's obviously biohacking Brittany with that one as well. It will be linked in my show notes. All of this is on my website too. I have a shop page there with all of my discounts and links. And yeah, enjoy this episode and catch me next week. I am launching my 12 days of biohacking gifts next Thursday. So this is 12 days of giveaways, essentially. (laughs) Every day is a different giveaway, is a different brand, and you can win. And it all has to do with health, wellness, and biohacking. So you'll hear about it on my podcast and you will also be able to enter in the giveaways on my Instagram page. So stay tuned for that. Lots of content coming, lots of free stuff you can win, which is the best. And actually, I think, let me check. Yes. All three companies that I just mentioned, Sensate, Silver Biotics, and Viome will be part of the giveaway. So you can win products from all three of those companies. So stay tuned and many more. So I will catch you next week for that episode. Okay. Welcome to another episode of Biohacking with Brittany. I am so glad that everybody is joining this week. This week is going to be super easy. I have a friend on the show, which makes my life easier as a podcast interviewer. It's Elizabeth Clark. We have been friends on Instagram for, I don't even know how long, years. I think it's years at this point. And I don't even know how we first got connected, but through Instagram and the beautiful things that it does, you are such an expert in areas that I'm not an expert in, and you have been on this beautiful health journey. So I would love, before we get into your most recent health journey, I would love for you to kind of take us back to the start and like, what was the kickoff that really got you into wellness in the first place? 
Great question. Thank you for having me, by the way. I would say things definitely started in childhood, just growing up vegetarian, my parents being so health conscious and always educating myself and my brothers on what makes a balanced meal and what protein does for you and carbohydrates and all of this. And that all came from having a family history of illness, mostly heart disease. So, you know, my parents kind of came of age during this time when heart disease was, you know, all the buzz and fat and animal protein were the bad guys. And they're actually still all vegan. I'm not, but (laughs) they, they lived in Athens, Georgia, which is probably like more vegetarian than most places still to this day. It's just, that's kind of the vibe. It's like very like crunchy and hippie. So at any rate, that's where we grew up. And that was kind of the culture that my parents instilled in me. Health first and physical fitness was also very important. (laughs) We had to work out for an hour a day, even as kids, we had to prove that we sweat. (laughs) Wow. This was during the summer when we didn't have like school and PE, but yes, we had to (laughs) read for an hour every day and prove that we read by telling what we read about. And then we had to sweat for an hour a day. So I just grew up with this like hyper awareness of, you know, physical health. So I also always had some health issues that the rest of my family didn't have and that I didn't know anyone else who had these health issues, just weird things. I think the first time it came up in my life was this weird rash in this like itching. And I think actually the itching came before the rash. So it was like really enigmatic. Like I just could not stop itching. And now we know histamine is a complicated issue, but that's what was going on. So my parents took me to what my mom calls a witch doctor. (laughs) In Atlanta, Georgia. And I just remember getting poked with 50 needles at the same time in my back. It was like allergy testing. But as a kid, that's you just remember what it felt like. And they put me on a ton of supplements, no medications, just supplements. And some of them were gross. And my mom had to like crush them up and put them in food. And I did this for like maybe three months. And then everything was fine. And I was great again for many years. But the health issues came back and it was everything from heavy metal poisoning, which was the issue with the itching and like having this full body rash when I was a kid. So heavy metal poisoning, I ended up doing intravenous chelation when I was in college. Then I got diagnosed with a connective tissue disorder, Ehlers-Danlos, which at some point I thought was Marfan syndrome. I had a, what was it? A a geneticist who did some genetic testing and that's what came up was gene defect on the gene that's related to Marfan syndrome. But that came up again in my pregnancy. So we'll circle back to that. But (laughs) at any rate, connective tissue disorders, mold illness was a huge thing for me. Just a comedy of errors, you know, all of these symptoms, a bunch of doctor's visits. I was fortunate enough to have some really great alternative doctors who knew what they were doing, but I didn't always have access to them. Being in college and grad school and moving around for work and all of this in my early career, it just took me to places that were kind of deserts for quality medical care. So 
at the end of the day, I ended up being really, really sick in grad school and almost dropped out, but was, yeah, I was fortunate enough to just take an entire year of medical leave and get the care that I needed with, again, an alternative medicine kind of office down in Florida. And I healed. And then at some point, I realized that part of that is emotional. And I started Mm. healing, you know, the emotional side of things as well. And the trauma of having a chronic illness was a part of it. And yeah, so at the end of the day, I was fortunate in a lot of ways to be able to heal. But I was also fortunate, I think, to have experienced a lot of different chronic illness, just because it really opens you up to a side of of life that makes you so much more grateful when you are healthy and it opens you up to be able to help other people as well. I love that. I feel like a lot of people in the healthcare space go through something similar in terms of like their own personal health struggles. And then they turn around and they're like, okay, how do I help other people do this same thing? Because you know how crappy it is. Like, you know how like disheartening it is to try so many different ways of healing and nothing works. And then finally, somehow you find something that does something. I think it's really interesting that you grew up with your parents asking you to exercise for an hour every day. And I'm curious, like, did that backfire when you were a teenager or later? Because a lot of the time, the narrative around at least nutrition for kids is like, if you don't let them have like ice cream or pizza or junk food, then they end up binging when they're older. And like, same with alcohol. Like if you are really, really strict about it, then they just do it behind your back and they sneak it when they're older. So did it backfire or did you actually just keep with it and realize the benefits in it? It definitely backfired with me for a time, but I would also qualify that by saying I was definitely the black sheep of the family. So my brothers didn't really have this issue necessarily. They, you know, are still vegan. They did go through a period where they tried a little bit of meat here and there. It was like the rumspringa kind of (laughs) period for them. But for me, I, I was a rebel. I was rebellious in every possible way that I could be. So diet and exercise was a big part of that in my teenage years. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So you recently had a baby, which is like what I just want to pick your brain about. Cause I have so many questions. So let's like take, take it back to conception. How was that? How was your journey with that? As someone who's so health conscious, like, did you do any pregnancy prep or was it like you got pregnant by mistake or, or like on accident? Like how did that all happen for you? So a little bit of both. A few years before I got pregnant with Clark, he has my last name as his first name, I realized that I did want to be a mother. And because of that, I started preparing then. And it really, a big part of that for me was just like staying at this like baseline healthiness, you know, like I I wasn't really trying to go above and beyond. I was just trying not to slip back into being sick and just to, you know, make sure that my body could handle a pregnancy. I had a feeling that I would be sick during it just with migraines or nausea or something like that. So I just wanted to be as prepared as I could be. And a lot of the herbs that I take on a regular basis just to to sustain this baseline 
are things that you can't take during pregnancy. You know, some herbs are contraindicated because there is a little bit of research saying that they're, you know, harmful. But for the most part, there's not a lot of research on herbs and they're just contraindicated because of that. So I had to really try and fit it all in before I met the person that I just felt was going to be the father for our child together. So that was part of the prep. And then I guess spiritually, I had a lot to prepare for. I really got intentional about literally asking my future baby, like, show me who your father is going to be. So it was... Yeah, it was wow. it was like a physical and a, a mental health kind of preparation. And when it came down to conception, that part was completely unexpected. I did have this feeling that I had met the father, you know, of my future baby. And we were traveling on vacation together and we had picked a location for logical reasons, proximity, and you know, we liked it. But we had also <laughs> me, when I say we, I mean me, I'd also picked this location because the astrocartography of it was like really light and like romantic and, and just conducive to like, you know, that, that kind of vibe. And after the fact, I I realized that might've had something to do with me conceiving a baby there because it was definitely the astrocartography conducive to conceiving a baby. (laughs) Wow. So yes, it was totally an accident that it happened. It was a happy accident. And I think that we were both mentally ready at that point. And I think physically it couldn't have come at a better time. So yeah. I love that so much. I think it's really cool that you took time to do some sort of pregnancy prep, even if it was just to maintain the level that you had, like you said, I think a lot of the time the narrative is when couples struggle to get pregnant is when they actually start to eat better, go to acupuncture and do these things. But I think the energy around that is so different because then you're kind of like, it's almost frantic. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we can't get pregnant. Oh, okay. Let's detox sauna every day, like blah, 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 all of these things. Whereas like, if you actually take a year beforehand to be like, okay, like how do I get my body ready? How do I get myself mentally ready before I even take that step? I think that is the smartest approach. And obviously not everyone can do that. And you know, there's obviously like issues around that, but I I love that you do that. You did that. And did you do any, did you do any detoxing? Because obviously when you're pregnant, you can't detox, but did you do anything before that was like, let me get rid of heavy metals. Let me sweat out things, you know? That's a great question because I think for so many years now, detox has just been a regular part of my routine. So yes, for sure. I think I did something on an emotional level that was really like a trauma detox right before that. I had just gone through a lot of trauma with like career stuff and I was doing deep tissue massages, I think like every other day and then taking this like tincture of this kind of energetic thing that's meant to kind of liberate you from it's actually called liberator. It's meant to liberate you from your trauma. So I was doing a combination of these things right before conception. And I had gotten to a point where I had felt the detox, like I had gone through the period of like, the day after having the massage or the day after taking, you know, the liberator, I just felt like trash and had to do I love this, like, Pinellas and Berber combination for detox symptoms. So I was really heavily relying on that for a period of probably two months. And I just gotten to a point where 
those things, the deep tissue massage and the liberator weren't giving me the detox symptoms. So I think I had reached kind of like a level of detox sufficient enough at that point. Are you always feeling bloated after you eat? Is your body aging faster than it should be? Are you feeling anxious or having trouble focusing? Are you tired all of the time? I think we've all felt these things at one point, but addressing the root cause instead of just the symptoms is tough and it's hard to kind of figure out what the root cause is. Your microbiome and your cells play a critical role in the way you feel and your body's resilience to stress and aging. Your gut microbiome can be considered the chief architect of your health with trillions of microbes in your gut, helping you digest food, absorb nutrients, maintain a healthy weight, neutralize toxins, and fight off bad bacteria. Your digestive system also begins in your mouth, and is actually often the first line of defense against pathogens. When your cells are functioning optimally, they produce enough energy to sustain your needs and are efficiently cleaning up cellular waste like free radicals. Viome provides an in-depth test that looks at all of this. They look at your gut microbiome, your oral microbiome, and your cellular health. They use cutting-edge mRNA technology and an AI-powered platform that helps give different health scores and recommendations based on your test results. They kind of connect the dots on in between what is happening internally and what you are experiencing yourself. I highly suggest trying Viome if you are having symptoms that are persisting and you're kind of at a standstill and you don't really know where to go with your health anymore. I just got retested and I'm so excited to share my results very soon when they come in. I would do the full test, the gut microbiome, the oral microbiome, and the cellular health so you can get a full picture of what's going on with you right now. Obviously, I have a discount code for you guys. It's Biohacking Brittany in all capitals for 15% off. This is actually more than they offer on their website, so it's definitely worth using this code. You can find Viome on my online store at biohackingbrittany.com or linked in my shop on my Instagram account, which is at biohackingbrittany. So again, try Viome and use my discount code biohackingbrittany in all capitals today. Nice. Did you ask your partner to do any type of cleansing or detoxing? No. And I know how important that is. So uh, (laughs) if we had been trying to conceive, I definitely would have made a push for that, but it, you know, just kind of what we got is what we got. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Did you find like, this is more on the emotional level, but did you find there was an interesting shift from you being a woman to you being a mother. Now, obviously you're still a woman, but like that I've heard quite a lot of people talk about that and the identity change. Like, how was that for you? Yes. I feel so much more fully embodied as who I am, just like as my identity now. And I, you know, I don't know that that's the case for everyone, but for me, I think that this was a big part of my identity and it was just kind of a a part that was waiting to be realized. But yeah, I I feel so much more confident in my body now. And maybe that's just from, you know, being in a space where you're fully exposed and vulnerable, like in a hospital, I had a hospital birth, you know, so 
having a team of people around you and your partner and you're in like the most pain you've ever been in. And you, as a first time mom, like I didn't even know if I could do it. <laughs> there were definitely times, but I, like right before, and I think this is a common experience. So it's, I think it's important to say this, but you know, month before I gave birth, I was really having these feelings of, I don't even know if I could do this. How are we going to get this baby out of my body? <laughs> So after going through that, it's like, I have so much more confidence in my body, but then I also just, I have so much more confidence in my body from a different perspective as well, which is like, before having a baby, I was very self-conscious, like being in a swimsuit, showing any part of my body just made me feel very awkward and like out of place. And after having a baby, I'm like, I feel great about my body. Like any anyone can look at my body and it doesn't phase me whatsoever. And I'm not exactly sure why that is, but I know that it was a shift that happened from giving birth. I love that. I actually really, really appreciate that because I think the narrative is so calm. Like the common narrative is how do I get my body back? You know what I mean? Let me work off the baby weight or all of these like common things that people say, but to flip that script and be like, my body gave birth and I'm super proud of it. And like, I am fine to show it to the world now is such a refreshing take on it. And I I love that. So how was your pregnancy? Give us the details. And also, do you have any pregnancy biohacks? Like, I'm so curious (laughs) what what you did. (laughs) Oh gosh. I. I wished that I had had more pregnancy biohacks because I did feel because it was unplanned. I was just flying by the seat of my pants the entire time. I was very tired. (laughs) I did have migraines, especially for the first trimester, because I normally take a combo of herbs that prevent migraines for me, at least prevent them almost 100%. And I felt weird about taking them in the first trimester. So I didn't take them at all. Once I hit week 12 and you're out of that period where it's so crucial to be that cautious, I muscle tested and felt with a degree of confidence. And it wasn't just muscle testing. I'll preface it by saying I also looked at all of the research I could find, which wasn't much. But at the end of the day, I felt confident taking a half dose of the herbs. And I wasn't even sure if that was going to be a therapeutic dose, but I could not function. I had migraines every single day. So I started taking a half a dose and eventually the migraines got fewer and fewer. And then they got very infrequent towards the end of my pregnancy. So that was great. But the main thing was the migraines that I experienced. The nausea was terrible. (laughs) It was for me unbearable. And magnesium and B6 play such a big role in that during pregnancy. But because it was an unplanned pregnancy, I was really having to play catch up. So I, my, my main hack for the nausea, I guess I had two hacks. I had a chewable version of magnesium and I would take those and just like let them dissolve in my mouth whenever I got like a really big wave of nausea. It was a little bit hit or miss, but I think it did ultimately help. But the other thing, and I can't remember the name of this device, it was a wristband that shocks the inside of your wrist. And I would crank that thing up. (laughs) You you know, it has like 
like a, I think like a one to 10 kind of setting. So depending on how nauseous I was, I would set it all the way up to, you know, number 10 and just breathe. And, you know, within a matter of minutes, that usually got the nausea to calm down enough. But those were the two main biohacks that I had were basically related to nausea. Yeah. So the shock therapy, like, is the point to create pain so that you focus on something else? Or what is the point of that, I guess? To be honest, I don't really remember what they say, but I want to say it's like an acupressure point. And I don't know why the electric pulse is what they use, but yeah, I'd have to look it up again. But for whatever reason, it did seem to work. And I think I want to say it's FDA approved. I'm not sure about that. But I'll have, I'll look it up and I'll give you the name in case anybody wants to have that. Yeah, absolutely. So how was your fitness routine like during your nine months? Oh, gosh, just walking towards maybe the second trimester, I started, I took a course by a physical therapist. And it was mostly for just preparing your body for birth, not necessarily for staying physically fit. And I did a few of the exercises from that, but admittedly not, I was not a diligent student, (laughs) but just, you know, enough to make sure that my body was somewhat, you know, prepared to give birth and for after giving birth as well, prepared to to protect itself against prolapse and that type of thing. But because I have this connective tissue disorder, I was on the cautious side of physical activity while pregnant because you have so much progesterone that your connective tissues are even more lax. And I didn't want to do anything that would do more harm than good. And, you know, you have this 10 pound or 20 pounds of total mass that (laughs) you're carrying around and it's pulling on your spine and making you more prone to subluxation and that type of thing. So I I think I was a special case in that regard, but I was definitely a little bit more cautious than I probably needed to be. Yeah. I think that makes sense. I think doing any type of like prenatal yoga or Pilates or walking is like really the best thing. I also heard, and like I've read up that it's recommended to do swimming as well. Obviously not in a chlorine pool, like a saltwater pool, or even, I guess you could do like a lake or something like that, but just because it gets rid of like the pressure that you feel and it's still like helping with movement and blood flow. But, and every time I see women in the gym who are pregnant, I'm like, good for you. <laughs> I know. Good job. I know. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm, I'm amazed. I did not have that level of motivation or energy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Were you on like a specific prenatal that you loved or did you like try different ones or what would you recommend? Gosh. So this is a loaded question for me. I was not able to ever find a prenatal that I felt really good about. So I bounced around, you know, with a few different ones. It's not that I couldn't find a high quality one. There's lots of high quality ones out there. The problem for me is balancing the type of B vitamins that's in the prenatal. So most of the low quality prenatals, you know, you're going to get folic acid and cyanocobalamin or the manufactured forms of B9 and B12. And that's not ideal. 
mostly because they can cause you to create transport antibodies or receptor site antibodies to these things. And that's not something that you can just go to your doctor and ask for a test. (laughs) It's something that is, you know, testable in research, but it's not like a consumer type of test that can be done. So most of the time, you don't even know if your body's doing this. However, having those types of antibodies, I want to say it was if you have both the folate receptor site and the transport antibodies together, your risk of your baby developing autism is 17 fold higher. So wow, this is important. (laughs) It's important to, you know, know what you're taking and more importantly, to know how your body's reacting to it. The problem is it's hard to know how your body's reacting to it. I would say almost impossible to know unless you're a researcher and you have access to this just by some crazy fluke of opportunity. So there's that issue with the low quality ones. With the high quality ones, the issue is the B vitamins are all methylated. And I say that's an issue because it's an issue for me. (laughs) It may not be an issue for someone else, but for me it is. And those are not technically the only types of B vitamins. You know, it doesn't have to be either synthetic or methylated. There are other versions as well, but you can't find prenatals that have exclusively the type of B vitamins that my body needed. So what I wanted was folinic acid, not folic, folinic acid, and basically adenosyl cobalamin instead of methyl or cyano, or I would have been happy with hydroxycobalamin and I would have been happy with plain old folate, you know, a plant source, but it's just, that's just not what is available. So I never landed on one that I liked. (laughs) I, I ended up just trying to like take whatever I tolerated and I bounced around from a few different ones and I wish I had a, a better, like more satisfying answer than that. But it was definitely a point of contention for me throughout my pregnancy to feel like I can't find what is right for my body. Do you ever feel frazzled, not grounded, stressed, and like you have way too much on your plate? Of course, you know, you should be taking time for self-care but doesn't mean you actually are. And it kind of just feels like another thing on your to-do list. I have definitely been there. It's tough to kind of balance everything these days, especially for those of us working from home with extra side hustles and or kids. Stress reduction feels like a nice idea, but never something easily achievable in the moments when we need it the most. I believe in solutions that use science to help us be healthier on a daily basis, but without crazy technology or tools that aren't accessible or affordable for everybody. I use Sensate, which is something that I've been using for a long time now. And I spoke about a lot last year, which is a groundbreaking innovation in wellness technology that uses the natural power of sonic resonance to calm your body's nervous system, providing immediate immediate, let me tell you, relief and long-term benefits from regular regular use. It calms your nerves and helps you feel better in as few as 10 minutes per day. It improves stress resilience to help you cope with whatever life throws at you. And it increases heart rate variability, a known biomarker of health and longevity. This is so important because for many of us, our body's built-in stress management system is simply just an overdrive. 
Sensate's novel patent technology was designed to send infrasonic waves through the chest to reach the vagus nerve that sits deep in the core of our nervous system. By speaking to our body's command center, we can control how we respond to all the positive and negative things that we experience each day, which is just so cool and such an easy, easy biohack to bring in every day. You can use my discount code, which is BiohackingBrittany in all capitals. Um, I will put the link in the show notes and it's on my shop page at BiohackingBrittany.com and you get $25 off today. If you have any questions about it or when you get it, please message me. I'd love to chat as this is one of my favorite biohacking tools to use on a regular basis. Yeah, I know we've spoken about this on Instagram before about like the different B12s and which one is the best. And it's interesting that you struggled so much because that means that you should just create the product yourself (laughs) and there's a market for it. Yes, a hundred percent. And that is definitely on my like vision board slash bucket list. I'm getting to do a little bit of supplement formulation right now for women, but we're not we don't have any plans to branch out into the prenatal space anytime soon, but one day it will happen. <laughs> one day. Exactly. So how is your birthing process? So you, you said you had a hospital birth. Was that always the intention or did you want a home birth before that? I entertained the idea of having a home birth. And I think I felt really drawn to doing that, but not very supported in doing that. And I say that because I live in a state, North Carolina in the US, where they can't make it illegal for you to give birth at home because anyone could accidentally give birth at home. But it is illegal for any birthing professional like a midwife or a doula to attend a home birth. So it would have been a free birth. I would have been giving birth by myself as a first-time mom. Uh, <laughs> wow. My my mom lives five, five and a half hours away. So in order for her to be at my birth, I had to basically know what day I was going to go into labor, which is hard. I did predict it using astrology. It was accurate, but I kind of waffled on it. So I, my mom didn't actually get to attend my birth. So if I had been giving birth at home, it would have been, I think I would have been so nervous about just not having the support there. And even if I had had the support there, I think I would have been nervous for them because there are doulas and midwives who will attend your home birth, but they ask you to not say their name. And if something goes awry and you end up at the hospital, you're, you have to be really like cloak and dagger about it and say like, oh, this is just my friends. Like, yeah, it is a really bizarre situation to be in. But that's kind of why I chose to have a hospital birth. But one of the reasons I didn't want to have a hospital birth is that I had been labeled high risk because of my medical history, even though everything was fine. You know, I had some migraines and some nausea, but that was it. Like I, I was the pinnacle of health for this pregnancy. And it went off without a hitch. But being in the hospital raises your stress hormones and decreases the hormones that make you give birth. So it was 
definitely, I think a longer process because I gave birth in the hospital. I only labored for eight hours total and only maybe six of those were at the hospital. However, I think it would have been shorter if I had given birth at home. That's wild. I did not know that that was a situation for some of the places, like some of the states in America. Mm -hmm. In Canada, we there's a birthing center in the town that I'm in. And you go there, you get a midwife, which is covered by our healthcare. And then if you want to doula, you pay out of pocket and they will come to your house and give help you give birth, like no issues. Wow. It is an option to give birth at a birthing center here in North Carolina, but it's not an option if you have any risk. So it was not an option for me. And I clawed like tooth and nail to get them to remove that from my, I guess, like my medical history. And I jumped through hoops to try and prove to them that this is in the past. But the issue was part of my health history was lupus and the allopathic medical system just will not believe that lupus can be cured. So I had all of this blood work. I showed them no, no lupus blood work anymore. Like I'm all good to go. And they just didn't they, they just wouldn't do it. They wouldn't buy it. They were like, well, you either don't have, you either never had lupus or you have lupus still. I'm like, well, that's not the case. And here's how I can prove it with my medical history. But it was, yeah, it was just a, a really, a really bizarre experience. <laughs> yeah. That's really tough when they act like they know your body better than you do. And especially when you're pregnant and you're like, no, this is what I want to do. Like that's, that's very difficult. And I know there's a lot happening in the States right now, especially like with abortions and everything that's happened in the last year, year and a half. That's just, oh, it's really disheartening to hear that because how many women have gone through what you went through, you know? Oh yeah. There's so much fear mongering. Oh my gosh. Like my OBGYNs wanted me to believe that there was a risk, like a big risk of either me dying or the baby dying. Like this was something they said over and over and over again, like that you are at very high risk for this. Like they wanted to induce me. And I ended up because I was able to predict my due date. I ended up giving in. I said, fine. Well, what happens if I go into labor on the day I'm scheduled to be induced? They're like, well, then I guess you just have the baby, but what are the chances? And I was like, hold my beer. Like, <laughs> I was like, let's set the induction date for this date. And it was like exactly a week before the baby was supposed to come. So they were okay with that. You know, they're like, that's fine. You can be induced a week beforehand. And I got to the hospital literally at my appointment time. <laughs> like I went into my water broke at 8 a.m. I got to the hospital at 10 a.m. because the contractions were so frequent and like so intense that, that it was time for me to go. They're like, oh yeah, she's here for induction. And I'm like, nope, actually I'm having the baby right now. <laughs> wow. 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 Did you know that before the invention of germicides and antibiotics, it was known that disease causing germs could not survive in the presence of silver? Thus, silver was used in dishware, drinking containers, and eating utensils. Whether it's a weak immune system, dry skin, eczema, sun damage, bad breath, or unhealthy gums, we are all looking for ways to optimize our health and reduce the symptoms we're dealing with on a daily basis. But honestly, it's tough to know what remedy to try. 
what food may be causing the issue, or what will actually work when we're trying to heal. Of course, there are somewhat effective solutions we can get from our local pharmacy, but as people who prefer using the power of nature to heal, using these products don't really align with our values. Keeping our bodies strong is essential to our good health. A strong immune system can protect our body from infection and helps us heal. Silver has been used for centuries to do exactly this. Silver biotics have taken the old technology of colloidal silver and improved it to create the next generation of silver products. Silver biotics has products for skincare for issues like dry skin and eczema, and I'm currently using their skin gel on the back of my legs as I try to heal the dry skin that I'm dealing with. They have oral health products as well, including a fantastic toothpaste that helps fight bad bacteria with its silver content. It also decreases bad breath, whitens teeth, and supports healthy gums. They have an immune support supplement that can be taken orally, which also helps support our immune system from the inside out. If you are interested in trying silver and you've heard about this and it's kind of been one of those things that you've always wanted to do and try, I really, really recommend Silver Biotics and they are my go-to silver company. You can head over to silverbiotics.com or the shop on my website and use my code BIOHACKINGBRITTANY in all capitals to get a discount, which gets you 10% off today. Again, I really recommend trying this if it's for you, if it's for your pet, if it's for a loved one. Silver is definitely a staple in my little pharmacy I have at home. So that's silverbiotics.com or the shop on my website discount code biohacking Brittany for 10% off today. Okay. So I just find it fascinating, all of this. And obviously as somebody who is starting this journey, I'm very, very intrigued by it, which is why I wanted to talk to you, especially for people who are so well-versed in health and wellness like yourself. So we've talked about your birthing and I also need to know how you predicted the date that it was going to come. Can you please tell me how I can do that one day? <laughs> that is so, so helpful. It started with, so I have an astrologer and I've also learned a lot from him. His name is Victor. His Astro Victor is his handle on pretty much everything, but he's active on YouTube a lot. Anyway, I've taken some of his courses, but he's been my astrologer for a few years now. And when I first got pregnant, I had a reading with him and I asked, you know, when he thought the baby would come and he said, it does look like the baby might come a little, a little bit early. So that was kind of what got me thinking, like, when is this going to be? Well, actually, before that had happened, I was looking at the astrology between my partner and I and trying to see like, what's in store for us, you know, just doing girl stuff. Like, is this going to turn into something? And I saw that around the second week of February, something really important was going to happen for both of us. And I was like, oh, we're going to get married. (laughs) (laughs) I think I I said something like that to my partner at some point after we realized that we were pregnant. And he was like, do you think maybe that's when we're going to have the baby? It's like, wow, that's a good question. So then I started like really looking. So I did just over the course of the time that I was pregnant, I would pull up the transits for astrology. I'd look at my solar return, I'd look at perfections, all these timing techniques, you know, these like ancient timing techniques. 
And I looked at his chart, my chart, everything I could. I did a little bit of tarot, which I don't, I'm not really like versed in tarot, but I can somehow channel it through me. So I'll just shuffle the cards and whatever falls out, I pick up the book and I read the meaning. And I kept getting the star card and that's Aquarius and his due date would have been Pisces. So I already kind of knew that he was going to come early because that would have been the difference. Well, astrology, like your natal chart in astrology can show you a little bit of your genetic traits as well. It's kind of like genetics and epigenetics, you know? So the epigenetics would be the transits that are going on or what other people activate in you, you know, in close proximity with their natal chart. So I looked at his and I looked at mine. I thought, what is this baby going to inherit, you know, between the two of us? And I felt certain that he was going to have my partner's moon sign, a Leo moon, because that would really fit that second week of February. And the moon changes signs like every couple of days. It moves about 12 degrees every every day. So this gave me like <laughs> a, a two-day window of time to work with. So I'm like, okay, well, what else is going to happen during these two days and how can I narrow it down? Well, Mercury was going to hit zero degrees of Aquarius and that's my midheaven, which represents kind of like long-term endeavors, things that you invest in long-term. And Mercury is the planet that rules my fifth house of children. So this is when the significator of children was going to hit my significator of long-term investments, which can be children. So I thought, okay, this is going to happen on February 15th. That fits with him being an Aquarius. That gives him the Leo moon. Like, I think this is really when it's going to happen. And lo and behold, he not only was born on the 15th, had this Leo moon and this zero degree uh, Mercury, but he has a Leo moon that's the exact degree of my partners. So he inherited like the exact same moon as his dad. And the only thing I got wrong was the timing. I was about five hours off. I thought that because my mom had had really quick labors with all three of us, that I was going to have a quicker labor. But I think being in the hospital maybe kind of lengthened it a little bit. So I think I predicted he'd be born at noon that day. And he was born at around five. (laughs) Wow. I love how you know all of this. <laughs> and you like took the time to figure this out. That's awesome. And so helpful for you, obviously, with being induced and all of that, the situation. So after the birth, like how was breastfeeding? Like, was that easy for you? Do you have any recommendations around that? I want to be transparent. I don't want to be, I don't want to steer anyone, but I want to be transparent. It was not easy. It was very painful. I mean, I, I produced milk. That part was great. The latch was not great. One thing that I will say that I learned after the fact is that if you get an IV during delivery, which I did, or during labor and delivery, your body gets kind of swollen. It, it retains this, this fluid And for some women, it can make it difficult to breastfeed because babies are so tiny, you know? So it makes the latch, I think, a little bit more problematic or it can, you know, problems can happen there because of that. And you don't have to get an IV during labor and delivery. The only real reason to do it is if you think there's a chance you'll get an epidural, you have to have an IV for an hour before they'll do the epidural. 
And I was going to do an unmedicated birth because I have a Chiari malformation and they have to do the epidural in your spine, essentially. So there's a chance that it could have made my Chiari worse. And I knew that. So I went into it thinking I'm not going to have this done because I don't want to mess anything up with my body there. But when you do the part of labor known as transition, this is when it feels like you just can't do it. It's so painful. (laughs) You're like, forget it. Give me the epidural. This is like a common experience. However, you're usually only about an hour away (laughs) from giving birth at that point. So you can do it. It's just that's how painful it is. So I got to this transition period and I was like, oh my God, I cannot do this. Please give me the epidural. So they sent the the anesthesiologist in and I was in so much pain, but we went through my health history and he was like, oh, well, you, you have Chiari malformation. I actually don't feel comfortable giving you an epidural. So like, great, all of this, <laughs> it was a blessing because I did get to have an unmedicated birth, <laughs> but because I essentially caved and tried to get the epidural, I had to have the IV. And I think that led to a difficult latch, which led to very painful nipples. I mean, cracked, bleeding, scabbing, like oh my gosh, breastfeeding was like the good, bad, and the ugly of like the experience. Like it was difficult, but it was beautiful. It's been overall a really beautiful experience. I'm very grateful that I could have this experience. I know not all women can. And I used to actually be a breastfeeding counselor. So back when I first graduated college, I worked as a community nutritionist and we were all cross-trained to do breastfeeding and the counseling. So I had seen so many mothers go through this without support or with a difficult work schedule, just you name it. Like there's so many things that can interfere with breastfeeding. So I was very grateful that I was able to do it. And I was determined to make it through because I had all of these advantages and privileges. You know, I had the support. I didn't have to wake up and go into the office and try to pump that kind of thing. So I was very grateful. It was very difficult. He did have a lip tie and a tongue tie. And on day seven, we got that assessed and we got like the laser procedure for it. And I don't necessarily recommend doing that. I think that it may or may not have helped in our situation after speaking to other moms and other dentists. It sounds like the tongue tie might not be worth doing the procedure, a lip tie maybe, because there's other things that can come along with that, like speech impediment and like dental issues, like gap, like a gap between the two front teeth. If you don't have the procedure, however, with the laser procedure, it can grow back. And I think that's what happened. So it didn't really move the needle for us with the issues we were having. It was just traumatic for the baby. But everyone said around week five, it gets easier. That feeding formula for the first five weeks is easier, but breastfeeding after the first five weeks is easier. So if you can hang on past the first five weeks, it's going to pay off for most women. And it definitely did for us. Everything just sorted itself out. And I'm so glad we stuck with it. He's nine months now. We're still going strong. And it's a very like sweet bonding experience. So I'm, I'm going to go as long as I, I possibly can. 
Yeah. I love that. And also I feel like I could pick your brain for forever because I'm just so intrigued by all of this. Again, like I feel like I don't have a lot of friends who have had babies who understand health and wellness and natural health as much as you do, as much as I do. So it's really nice just to talk to people like this. I want to ask you as my last question, do you have any books for recommendations that like really helped you either with like preconception, conception, pregnancy, postpartum, anything that's like, this helps to explain it. This is how to be healthy during it, you know? Yeah, I think I'm going to go kind of old school with my first recommendation, which would be Dave Asprey's uh, Better Baby. I think I, I read that in grad school. Just, I think at the time I was having issues with my period. So I knew that I was probably not fertile. Like I knew that I was having infertility issues, even though I wasn't trying to conceive. So I thought if I can biohack the fertility, then my period will be fine. <laughs> you know, like kind of reverse engineer it from there. So that was really helpful. And I think I retained a lot of that information. And I think that did come in handy in terms of conception. Also, Dr. Ben Lynch is really supportive with his work. And I'm not sure if he has a book specifically about conception or about pregnancy, but he definitely has a nice body of work that's available online that I think is really helpful for conception and pregnancy. And then I'll have to look up her name and her handle, but the course I did that was by a physical therapist, it was Dr. Betsy something. I'll have to look it up and tell you exactly what it is, but I found that really helpful. And it was mostly like physical kind of conditioning for having a pain-free birth. <laughs> Mine was not pain-free, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to attribute that to me not being a very good student in her class. <laughs> but it was phenomenal course. So I'll look it up and give you like the exact awesome. name. Great. I will link all of that in the show notes because I really just want to provide people with resources. And I have that Dave Asprey book. It's really good. Yeah. And there's recipes in there and stuff too that are like supportive for hormones as well, which is really helpful. Oh but, yes. But get some ice cream. Yes. I, yes. 10 out of 10. Recommend that. <laughs> That's the exact recipe I was thinking of. That's so funny. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was awesome. I really enjoyed hearing about your journey. And I I think people will love this episode. And I need to bring you on for part two because I still have like 5,000 questions for you. <laughs> I, I would love that. Thank you for having me. This has been really fun. Oh, good. I'm glad. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biohacking with Brittany. If you're interested in finding the show notes or the sponsors for this episode, you can do so on my website, which is biohackingbrittany.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram where I'm most active. My handle is at biohackingbrittany. And if you're interested in working together and you want to email me directly, you can do that. My email is info at biohackingbrittany.com. And I look forward to hearing from you and having you tune in next week.